0: All right. How's everybody feeling today? Good. If you feel good, I say good. good. Uh, today I'm going to uh, preach on a message called "Praying with Authority." But before I do that, I do want to thank the uh, church. I want to thank everybody that was involved with UPS, the United Prayer Service. Ha ha ha! Uh, everybody that took the time. Uh, to pray for the Japan team throughout this past uh, week, two weeks, as the Japan team was ministering, doing relief work in Iwaki, in the Fukushima district. Uh, we just want to thank everybody for uh, just praying with us and partnering with us in that way. We also want to thank everybody for partnering with us in finances. Uh, we checked the support website yesterday, and all of the missions teams, all four of the missions teams Australia, Japan, Bangladesh, Malaysia, we are all overflowing. So praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Thanks, God, for money. No, we good. All right. The AC. No, we love AC. Okay. So yeah, we just want to thank everybody for partnering with us and praying with us. Please continue to pray uh, for Malaysia. If you check our Facebook page, there are updates daily of the previous day's praise reports, and then the, the current day's prayer requests. So I want to ask everybody, especially uh, all the members of the house, be sure you're checking that Facebook page. And let me, t- let me ask you to do something that I just rebuked the core leaders about this past week. All right. But let's use the Facebook social network to glorify God. Amen. Amen. I know y'all love to use it for selfish reasons, and you know what? That's what we think Facebook's purpose is for, for you to look at photos of people's babies when people get engaged and married, uh, for you to stalk people that you think are cute, all right? You, you think Facebook's for f- selfish reasons, and it's fine to use it selfishly, but don't exclusively use it selfishly. Use it for the purposes and glory of God, amen? Amen. And so, if you read one of the prayer request updates and you read it, then it doesn't take much energy to click like or to press it on your iPhone. It doesn't take much energy to do that. It doesn't even take that much energy to just say, praise the Lord, or good, or I've been praying for that. I'm so excited about that. Like, you know, post up comments, uh, like the uh, different things on our Facebook page so that our Facebook page is full of life. You know why? Because this community is full of life. Amen. And that's just show and reflect on Facebook, I'm telling you right now. That's going to go on to open up other people's hearts to our community. Because, you know, other people, they may, they may not have the luxury of being able to visit our church service. But if they get a glimpse of it through Facebook, I'm telling you right now, that's going to also prepare their hearts for more of what God's doing in their life. All right? So I want to ask all of you to fill Facebook with life. If you want to get in on that, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I want in. 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 And God bless the rest of you all who didn't raise your hands. <laughs> um, in Japan, Aaron and I were there for the last four days of the J- Japan team's trip. And uh, we just had a wonderful time. Uh, first day, we got to uh, go to a museum. Went to a very high, high-rise building in Tokyo. And we got to look around the city, pray over the city, just ask Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you doing here? Lord, uh, what is wrong here? What is good here? What, is, what, is, what are some of the good things about Japanese culture? And what are the things that you want to uh, destroy, strongholds that you want to destroy off the Japanese culture? Uh, what are things you want to do right now at this hour in Japan? And it was, it was a wonderful experience. Afterwards, we got to pray for uh san is a Japan uh, staff from Korea who's there uh, serving with his two children and wife. Actually, uh, his wife is expecting their third child, so we got to pray with him. Um, actually, we, you, knew, you know it was the devil because on his way to meet us with his wife and kids, one of his kids got this massive nosebleed. So the, so the wife had to take the kid home. And so only he was able to show up, you know. There's all kinds of funny stuff starts to happen when, you know, demonic spirits start to attack and the spiritual warfare starts to get exposed. But we still got to pray with him. It was good. The next day, uh, you saw some of the pictures in the video. We went over to the Sensoji Temple. I think that's how you say it. And uh, Sensoji Shrine. And we went over there, and we just prayed Psalm 24. We split up into three groups, and we just prayed right around the temple. Different people felt nauseous. People felt attacked on their physical bodies. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But nevertheless, we were trying to uh, really pray down uh, the principalities that are keeping Japan under bondage. It's not that Japan has not had many opportunities to hear the gospel. It's that the eyes of Japanese people are veiled because of real demonic spirits that are keeping the nation under bondage. But nevertheless, we went over to the temple. We got to pray. Later that night, we joined um, some of the CCC students and stinters that we know that are in Japan, Campus Crusade. I was on staff with Campus Crusade for about six years before. And so, you know, I had uh, connections with the uh, Campus Crusade group there. And we went to a concert. And the funny thing is, um, there are three New York KCCC stinters there. Stinter, stint means st- short-term international. So they were there for the last 10 months. Korean Americans from New York colleges that were serving in Japan, evangelizing, discipling for about 10 months. And uh, we went with them to a concert where one of their gospel choirs was invited to sing at. And when we went, it's funny, we went to the building that's on Wasada campus, Wasada University campus, and the building actually had a cross at the front of it. So to me, I'm just thinking, oh, you know, I guess there's Christians here on this campus. And then we go inside the building where they're performing, and then there's a big projector screen, and when that projector screen went up, there was a cross behind the projector screen. So, you know, and I looked around the room, and there were all these college students, and I was like, oh, this must be the Christian college community here at Wasada University, right? Later on, I found out that none of those students were Christians, and that they weren't even sure what the building was really about, but there were crosses on the buildings. I guess it's some kind of Christian organization helped to build the building. But I just felt like it was a prophetic sign. It was like a prophetic mistake, you know what I mean? <laughs> You know, and so I just looked around, I just saw Christians everywhere. You know, and later on I found out they weren't. But you know what? God calls the things that are not as though they were, right? To me, I'm just going to continue to envision that whole room. If there's a cross in the front of the room, I mean, there should be worship all over the room, amen? And so I'm just going to continue to envision that that room is going to get filled with Christian students. But the sad news is, Japan CCC does not have a weekly... Uh, campus meeting on Wasada University. They have a regional one because there's such few Christian students on the campus. Instead, what they have on these college campuses are shrines. There are four Shinto shrines all over the campus where students, they don't religiously go, but when it comes down to finals and midterms or their family's going through something tough, they go to the shrines, they toss money into the altars, and then they pray to these uh, Shintoist gods and idols. But we're going to come to a day where all these campus shrines, they're going to be abandoned. They're going to go bankrupt. And houses of worship, places of worship are going to be established in their place. Amen? Well, after this concert, we uh, got to pray with some of the CCC staff and students. Uh, I'll share a quick story. One of the CCC staff, her name is uh, Kazuko. And uh, we asked them if they had anything physical that we can pray for healing about. And she said that she had carpal tunnel pain all over her wrist. And that it was really, really severe, but in recent weeks it got a little bit better. So we asked her, what, from a scale of 1 to 10, where, where's your pain? 10 being the, the most. And she said that it used to be a 6, but now it's about a 3. So she said, it got a little bit better. you know, And we were like, all right, well, we can still pray for a 3. We can pray for a 2, we can pray for a 1. As long as there's pain there, we want to pray. So I said, like, can we pray for you, right? And so the team gathered around, and then uh, I had Kate. Actually, you know, I just want to honor Kate, because uh, Kate, man, she speaks Japanese fluently. She, she, she's not good with the Japanese subway system, but she is good with the Japanese language. <laughs> we got lost a couple times. Um, but she is great with the Japanese language. And, uh, you know, she was just translating for us all throughout the trip. She's just a wonderful heart, heart of a servant. And she really was a blessing to the team. And uh, I, I, I just got a prompting, and I just told Kate, Kate, you pray, brief prayer, just a brief prayer of healing for, this, for, for the staff. So Kate said, okay. And then, so she just prayed a brief prayer. <laughs> oh yeah, She prayed in Korean, too. So that Japanese staff didn't even understand what she said. All right? And she just prayed a brief prayer. It was like 10 seconds. It was like, Hananim, you know, uh, whatever. Healing, healing, 주세요. <laughs> I don't know. She said something real short. She said, Amen. And we said, All right, go want to check your wrist. She checks her wrist. And she's like, Oh, all gone. And we're like, Really? She's like, Yeah. It's like, scale 1 to 10, what? She's like, zero. So we're like, praise the Lord, and we just praise the Lord right there. And then we just, that just opened up even a greater faith in that group for us to prophesy over some of the other Japanese students that were actually quite discouraged. And when we prayed for them, their spirit was just being lifted up. They were just so edified. And that's what that prophecy does. It's for exhortation, edification, you know, comfort. And so, you know, we brought those... Uh, words of prophecy for the Japanese students, and they were really encouraged. Uh, on day three, we got to meet up with the leaders of three houses of prayer in Japan. Um, we know one of them already. She's from uh, IHOP Kansas City, and she's in Japan for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Her name is Jennifer Gracie, and she uh, leads the altar house of prayer. And then there's a, I found out there's a royal house of prayer in the same city of Tokyo. A uh, uh, Caucasian lady named Amanda is involved with that, and that's in the Japanese language. And then there was a hot fan, hot fan, House of Prayer for All Nations. Yeah, I didn't think it was that catchy, but they thought it was. So they called it Hot Fan, House of Prayer for All Nations. And uh, it's actually uh, a few Brazilian uh, Brazilians that are leading this house of prayer. And so their names were Fernando and Pastor Gilberto. And so we got together. We got to fellowship with them a little bit. And then we went to a cafe where over 50 people came out. And normally they have maybe a dozen, maybe 20 people. But this cafe was tiny. It was only meant for like 20, 25 people. But it was packed with 50 people because we had an IHOP team from IHOP University that was there. Uh, we had all the three, uh, Japanese houses of prayer that were there. Uh, we had stinters from New York KCC and their friends came out. And then our team was also there. And so, um, we met up in this small cafe and we just, we just, we just pray for Japan. We pray for Japan. Hallelujah! And it was good, it was good, it was good. Um, and then, uh, actually, a couple of friends from Fuse Church, which is a church we work with for the relief stuff, they also came out. And um, we got to meet a few uh, wonderful people there. I met a young Korean American named Anthony Song from Princeton, whose life got radically changed around recently when he uh, went and uh, went over to IHOP. He was uh, doing a lot of bad stuff, and uh, God just rescued him out of all of that. Um and then Aaron and I got to meet the IHOP team leader. Her name is Tony Lin and her husband Mark. And so they asked us to prophesy over them. We did that and uh they were really blessed and they were like, Can we prophesy over you as well? And so uh they prayed for Aaron and myself and they prayed really accurate stuff, really accurate things that we did not share with them. They could not have possibly known about certain themes that we were holding on to. They prophesied about the training school, uh they prophesied about the prayer tabernacle, saying that the prayer tabernacle is gonna be radically different than anything uh, that has been seen before, uh, things like that. It was a real encouraging, real encouraging prophecy. And uh, we also got to pray for some of the stinters from New York, City, And uh, it was just a wonderful time. And what topped it off was I got to meet a girl named Eureka. Eureka is a Japanese student that... Eureka. Uh, sorry. That's how you say it. But I like saying Eureka. But Eureka... Um, She's a girl that came to know the Lord as a college student through a student named Helen Park from NYU that was in Japan doing a stint project for about 10 months. And um, meeting Yurika, Yurika was special because Helen is a student that I led to the Lord when she was at NYU. you know, And so that was real special, and uh, Yurika already knew about who I was, and she was just so excited to meet my wife and I. And we just prophesied over her, and she's just crying and crying and, and just really encouraged by our time together. That was real special. It was real special. But, you know, one thing that we got out of our time in Japan, we didn't have, you know, all these, like, revival services where people show up and get physical healing and, and get hit with the fire. You know, we didn't see too much of that. We saw some of that on the side and kind of organically in different groups, smaller groups. We didn't have those big services, but one thing we got was we got a big heart for Japan. And one thing I discerned is, God was saying, now is the time for Japan. There's a shift that has happened in this year for the nation of Japan. And God is saying, I'm placing all the pieces. I'm positioning all the right people. And revival is about to break out in Japan. And so to the, my own personal prophetic belief is that we're, gonna, we're about to see a harvest in Japan into the millions within these next 10 years into the millions, mark my words, into the millions within this next 10 years. And so, you know, as our church, you know, we're excited to be able to be a part of that somehow. And so we're going to investigate that um, and we're going to look into that a little bit more. But we're excited about what God's doing in Japan. And, you know, and, you know, I grew up hating the Japanese people. If you're a Korean American, you guys know what I'm talking about. My mom never let me buy anything that was Japanese. Except electronics because you couldn't help it there. She never let me buy any if I bought Japanese candy and I bought her home, she'd fit in the 없어." You know, and and uh when we were children they would watch these documentaries about how the Japanese army uh you know uh did biological, biological testing on Koreans how they occupied the Korean Peninsula with violence and rape and, you know, all this stuff. I learned about the comfort women issue. So, you know, I grew up with a real, like, disdain and hatred for the Japanese people because when it came down to it, Japanese people were not repentant about what they did. And they were never brought to justice for what they did. As as with Nazi Germany, I mean, they they hung a whole bunch of people uh, regarding war crimes and things like that. But for the Japanese, man, they killed just as, as many people all over Asia. You know, but they were never brought to justice about it. And the nation and the leaders of that nation were were never really repentant fully as the Korean people were like. They were never really fully um, repentant about it. And so, you know, there's those issues. There's those issues. So my heart was mostly closed toward Japan for most of my life. But through this trip, I just felt like God was like really releasing um, a new move. He was showing me that he's already been doing it. And that he would like for our church to be a part of it somehow in the future. And so, you know, I believe it's a beautiful story that God calls a country that was once oppressed viciously by this nation to go into that nation and bring healing, forgiveness, and truth. And so I believe this is all tied in with North Korea as well. As we're about to see breakthroughs for North Korea and reunification for this land, it's it's very connected with what God's about to do in Japan. Yeah. You know, Japan is only two and a half hour flight away. Uh, it's, it's not that far. Uh, you can get there faster than if you drove down to Busan. You know? And so, you know, I really believe that uh, God's putting Japan on our hearts. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, what we picked up from the trip. I'm sure that you are hearing more testimonies from the team members. But at this time, let me preach my message today. Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Uh, Today's message is a teaching message. So if you want to be taught today, you need to take a few notes. All right. You're going to need to take a few notes. I just want to let you know in advance, unless you feel like you've mastered this stuff, which I know most of y'all in here have not because I've never, I never taught this before. All right, so you might want to take a few notes. This is not in-depth. We'll probably have to do a seminar with our leaders in which we go a lot more in-depth into the details. But today, this is going to give you a taste for really praying with authority in the body of Christ. Look at Luke 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 19. Luke ten nineteen says, Behold, everybody say, Behold. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Hallelujah. Uh, In the other verse we read, First John 3, 8, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Amen? When Jesus appeared, he appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And here's news for you. He continues to destroy the works of the devil today. The question is, will you allow Jesus to appear through you? You The Bible says Jesus Christ lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And he is inside of us the hope of glory. If Jesus is indeed living inside of each and every one of you and you are truly a bona fide Christian, if Jesus is living inside of you, then you should do the works that Jesus did. And the Bible tells us that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil and that reason has not changed today amen? amen say i want to destroy the works of the devil i want to destroy the works of the devil and you know if you don't want to destroy the works of the devil that's because you haven't looked upon the works of the devil you live a sheltered life you never been on the missions field ever you never had a hard days you never had a, you never went to you never went to sleep hungry Uh, no, I'm not going to tell those stories anymore. <laughs> when you look upon injustice, right? When you look upon the works of the devil that's out there in the world, you you know you watch that movie Taken, right? You just see the systematic criminal activity going on regarding the human trafficking in the world, and even all throughout Europe, all throughout Asia. It's not like a continental. It's it's like on every continent, yeah. this modern day slavery thing. Because people are making tons of money from it. And certain governments, they're afraid to shut it down because they're afraid it's going to affect the economy bad, badly. You know, Greece's economy is falling apart. That should tell you that uh, they're doing something wrong. You know, they should, they, should, they should pass laws to shut down human trafficking. Greece is the number one place to go for uh, sexual tourism in the world today, according to a, a, a minister, ministry called 821 with Christine Kane. Uh, and so they're over there in Greece with hotlines to try to help girls. And these girls, some of these girls are trapped, some of these girls are tricked, and then they're, they're transported, imported into Greece, and then they're, they're there to serve as prostitutes. And, uh, you know, Greece's economy is falling apart, as all, all of you guys know. And that should tell you that, you know, it's not really helping their economy much. But um, these are the works of the devil. And when we look upon the works of the devil, and we look, we look upon the identity we have in Christ, Something should happen. When we look upon the works of the devil and nothing happens in your heart, that's telling me that you don't really know who you are. That's telling me two things. You're either keeping a blind and ignorant eye to the works of the devil or you're looking at the works of the devil but you don't know who you really are. Bill Johnson said it like this. You can tell what a person loves by what he hates. And Chris Valentin wrote in his book, Supernatural Ways of Royalty, when we understand that we are truly princes and princes of the king, of the king of kings, when we truly understand our royal priesthood, as the Bible says, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. When we truly understand our identity as a people of God, we cannot look upon injustice and stay silent. We cannot look upon injustice and be apathetic. For when we understand who we truly are, and we stay silent, that is our agreement with what the devil is already doing. We must speak up. We, know, we must begin to pray to demolish these strongholds. And so Luke chapter ten nineteen becomes this key verse, in which Jesus says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread. This Greek word tread mean, uh, in the Greek is pateo. And this Greek word could be translated as to trample to crush with the feet, to advance by setting a foot upon, foot upon, to tread upon. Okay, so this Greek word uh, pateo means to literally use your feet to crush and trample upon things. And Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I'm here today to preach to you, brothers and sisters, that as a church, we need to start to shift. New Philly is a praying church. But we pray, and we pray with faith, but I I think we have yet to really tap into what it means to pray with authority. And so I believe we're entering a season in which God is going to start to really teach us and train us what it means to pray with authority. You know, I'm reading this book, Authority the Tread by Rebecca Greenwood. She's uh, she shadowed Peter and Doris Wagner. Uh, she's also shadowed uh, Alice and Eddie Smith uh, from the U.S. Prayer Center. She has done the she has walked the walk and talked the talk. And uh, you know, I've read I haven't read, but I, I skimmed books books that uh, try to prove that spiritual warfare is unbiblical, that warfare prayer is unbiblical. That praying in that way is a waste of time, and all we need to do is evangelize. And uh, I won't name some of the missions groups out there, but a lot of missions groups are big on this teaching, and they believe that it's a waste of time. They really think that this is a bad teaching in the body of Christ. But, you know, I, 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 I kind of get a glimpse of Rebecca Greenwood, and I saw her on video on our website. Her website is, um, what's her website? Harvest, Christian Harvest ITL. International, Christian Harvest ChristianHarvestITL.org. You go up there and she has videos where she talks about healing and deliverance ministry. Man, when I hear her speak, she speaks with authority and she knows what she's talking about. And so here's the thing about spiritual warfare teachings. I tend to honor and receive teachings from people who are actually on the field than people who are just in the office, if you know what I'm talking about. If I want to learn about hockey, I'm going to go to John Newfield. Somebody who actually played hockey. Not, um, who's another Canadian here? Never played hockey in your life. Uh, I won't won't use that. No, I want to go to somebody that knows all the stats on hockey. Like, Like me. Like me. I know... All about hockey. I used to keep track of all the stats stats for Philadelphia Flyers. I was a big hockey fan. But you know, when it comes down to it, I never played ice hockey a day in my life. I played a little street hockey. I played my rollerblades. I was good. I was all right. But I never played ice hockey. And if I wanted to learn about ice hockey, I will go to somebody who's played ice hockey. Not just somebody who talks about it, writes about it, blogs about it. There's so many people in the body of Christ... They believe everything that's out there on the blogs. Just because it gets published up as a comment or as a blog post, they think it has authority. That's not how, that's so knuckle headed. That is so knuckle headed. I mean, which one of you guys will go inside of a bathroom stall, look on the wall of the bathroom stall, and see something written about doctrine and then say, oh wow, that's really, I mean, that's interesting. Wow, I never thought about warfare prayer like that. How many of you guys would give that kind of authority to something that somebody scribbled on the bathroom wall? I mean, you got to be knuckleheaded to do that. But here's the thing. Just as anybody could put it on the bathroom wall, somebody could put it on the Internet. Here's how you can tell somebody has real authority and expertise. You look at their life. You look at the fruit of their life. Do they actually pray? Have they been to third world countries? Have they been into the demonic valleys? And done the work of the Lord? Are they destroying the works of the devil already? Have they done healing and deliverance for individuals as well as cities and nations? Do they have a following? Do people actually follow them in real life? Not just on the internet, on, in real life. Because what you will find is people who have a large following on the internet, a lot of times in real life they have zero influence in the body of Christ. We got to learn how to assess authority appropriately. But check this out. Rebecca Greenwood, um, you know, she's teaching on how to pray with authority, how to pray spiritual warfare. And the reason why we in the body of Christ need to go from praying with faith and going to another level of praying with authority is because we are in a spiritual war. There is a real war going on in the spirit realm that affects the earth realm. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, our fight is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the powers and principalities. Right? There are four Greek words there. And all four of those Greek words represent a hierarchy in the demonic system of government. And the Apostle Paul is teaching us our fight is not against flesh and blood. But against the hierarchy of the demonic system realm. We need to learn how to wrestle And take apart all the uh, various works on the demonic realm. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3-5 to says, Although we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not in the natural. They are not the flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. There is a real stronghold in Japan. So that if everybody in here decided to take a flight to Japan tomorrow... And we evangelize on the streets for 10 days straight without tackling the strongholds and tearing down the strongholds, we will see little to no results. Jesus said, You cannot go and rob a strong man's house without first tying up that strong man. There is a strong man, there is a principality that is keeping the Japanese people systematically under oppression. And we as God's people need to learn how to dismantle that. How to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Amen. Say, the reason I appeared appeared is to destroy the works of the devil. devil. Bangladesh team, the reason I appeared to Bangladesh Bangladesh is to destroy the works of the devil. devil. I mean, you got to destroy the works of the devil before you can start building up the work of God. and so there's got to be a dismantling going on. The reason why we need in the body of Christ, we need to pray with authority is because there is a real war. And praying with authority is required for us to be effective in this war. If all we do is pray with just simple faith, we're going to miss it. Because the 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 bigger your prayer covering and your prayer target goes to the city level to the nation level you need to pray with greater and greater authority you can you may be able to help one individual get set free one family gets set free but you want the city to start experiencing massive revival that takes authority to war at that level right new levels comes new devils and we need to learn how to pray with authority on all these different levels amen And by the way, uh, the the promise here is also nothing shall hurt you. Nothing shall hurt you. And uh, a lot of people in the body of Christ teach that, you know, really good spiritual warfare books. That when you read the first 10 chapters, you're like, wow, amen, this is good. And then you get to the 11th chapter and their th- whole theory and thesis for their spiritual warfare is not to engage the enemy. To avoid it. Wait till they come to you, not you to them. But the Bible clearly tells us in Genesis, may you possess the gate of your enemies. That sounds like pretty hostile language to me. May you be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. May you possess the gate of your enemies. It's a word spoken to Rebecca, who was about to be wed to Isaac. Her family prophesied that over her. And it was reiterated, reinforced later on. We are the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham, amen? Amen. We are to possess the gate of our enemies, which includes a spiritual warfare approach that is not just defensive. But we learn to be be like Joshua. We go into enemy territory and possess it. So uh, this is the way Rebecca Greenwood defines spiritual warfare. She says, Spiritual warfare refers to the invisible battle in the spiritual realm involving a power confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And in Peter Wagner's book, What the Bible Says About Spiritual Warfare, and in this book by Rebecca Greenwood, Authority Tread, uh, according to these books, they break down spiritual warfare into three levels. Three levels. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the ground level. Number two, the occult level. And number three, strategic level. These are the three levels of spiritual warfare that Peter Wagner teaches. And I'm not an expert in this yet, but I'm just presenting it to you or I'm presenting to you the ground level, the occult level, the strategic level. Let me go over these really briefly. The ground level. This is the practice of healing and deliverance ministry. This is what we at New Philly, we try to train all of our active leaders to do. We try to train all of our active leaders to know how to move in healing and deliverance ministry. Amen? How many active leaders in here, you prayed to bring healing and deliverance in some form or another for your small group members this past year? Raise your hand if you you did that. You pray for unforgiveness to be broken off. You pray for occultic sins to be confessed and renounced. All right, lower your hands. We try to train all of our active leaders in this ministry because this is just basic level of spiritual warfare and this is oftentimes over individuals um, and situations and so man our church we've had so many uh examples of ground level warfare uh, that we've experienced and i will not go into it because it will scare some of you um but yeah this is the first level ground level i'm just leave it at that let's go to second level second level is occult level this involves opposition to a more structured level of demonic authority. Uh, this is where warfare prayer targets witchcraft, Satanism, New Age beliefs, Eastern religions, and etc. All things that fall under the category of the occult. And if you don't know what the definition of occult is, everyone say O-C-C-U-L-T. O-C-C-U-L-T. Congratulations, you know how to spell occult now. Everyone spells cult, C-U-L-T. Two different things. So if you didn't know, now you know. Okay? Two different things. Cult. Cult is what we know mostly. Those are Edan. The Mormons. The Jehovah Witnesses. The the Moonies. You know, I had a Jehovah Witness come to my house the other day. And I made a mistake. I told her uh, the way I got rid of them was I don't speak Korean. I only speak English. I'm, I'm certain they're going to send somebody English-speaking soon. <laughs> don't ever say, just say, I don't I, no, thank you. Just just say no, right? Um, that's cults. The occult is different. The occult, the definition of the occult is when people seek knowledge or power from a source other than God. That's the occultic realm. When you seek out a tarot card reader, when you seek out a palm reader, when you seek out a mudan. When you go out and get your uh, pulse read by a Chinese doctor, you get your foot read by a Chinese doctor, you go out and you get all kinds of power, healing power, from a source other than God. You don't really care where that source comes from? God does. You might be like, as long as I get healed, as long as you have this pragmatic approach. Well, what's wrong with all these Eastern medicine practices? If it works, what's the big deal? The elders of my church practice it. They gave me a free session. My pastors go get it done. All right And this mixing of Eastern religions with Christianity must stop in the body of Christ. There's too many Korean churches that are mixing Eastern mysticism along with Christianity. This needs to stop. Right? So occult is seeking power or knowledge from a source other than God. All right And so we're talking on the second level is the occult level of spiritual warfare. This is where we target all these new age and witchcraft movements and beliefs. It's a higher dimension. Um, One example that Rebecca Greenwood gives in her book is uh, an example from Houston, Texas. I'll try to go over it really quickly. Uh, Marilyn Manson was coming to town to do a concert for the young people in Houston. And if you guys don't know who Marilyn Manson is, all right, Marilyn Manson is a freak, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Marilyn Manson, the way, that's not his real name. The way he got his name is he uh, he requires all of his band members to choose the name of a celebrity and the name of a serial killer or murderer. Okay? And so the way he got his name was Marilyn Monroe with Charles Manson, which is a cult leader and uh, serial killer. Uh, I think he was a serial killer. Maybe he was a cult leader too? Serial killer. Anyway, yeah, something like that, right? So that's why he got his name, Marilyn Manson. All right? And he. He got ordained. Like we talk about over here, we lay hands. He got laid hands by Anton uh, Lavey or Le, Levy, I don't care how to say his name. He's the. He was one of the original pastors and fathers of the Satan Church, Satanic Church in America. Uh, Anton Lavey and uh, Aleister Crowley. Sorry, man. I learned this stuff at NYU, uh, and uh, you know, obviously, there these guys are very famous. So a lot of musicians that you know, they actually got ordained by these guys in the Satanist church. One of them is Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson actually got laid hands on by Antoine, Anton LaVey, whatever his name is, the Satanic church. He is on a mission to destroy Christianity in America. I don't think you guys know that. Marilyn Manson is on a mission to destroy Christianity in America. And the way he's doing that is he targets the youth through music. Because just like in the story of the Peter Pie P- Piper, whatever, uh, the Pie Piper, I don't know that story very well, but the, the gist of the story is this guy plays the flute and all the children follow him, and then what happens at the end? Does he kill them or something? <laughs> they disappear, okay. Well, <laughs> just like that story, fairy tale, similar way to that fairy tale, the, the theory goes music reaches the youth just like that. One moment, you don't know who Justin Bieber is. The next moment, you're at a concert screaming your head off. If you don't know Justin Bieber fever, go, go watch that movie, uh, never, say, never Say Die. Never Say Never. <laughs> never Say Never. I actually watched it. It was actually a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was refreshing. Uh, don't hate on Justin Bieber, all right? Don't don't hate don't judge before you really know what he's about. But uh, uh but music does reach the youth, and so Marilyn Manson is trying to re- use music to reach the youth. And so he was doing a concert in Houston, and what the local church leaders in Texas did is they started to mobilize prayer networks, fasting chains, and then they set up people to go into the concert as well as be stationed around the concert, and they just started to strategically pray on the second level, against the occultic powers that Marilyn Manson is operating in. Because, you see, the city mayor, the leaders of that city, they have the ability to open that door or not, or close it. And they chose to close it. Because Marilyn Manson was more than happy to open that up to the youth. So what happened was the concert began, and some young fella spilled his beer onto the soundboard and short-circuited everything, Marilyn Manson couldn't sing anymore, threw down his mic, and walked off the stage angrily. So after they heard about this, everyone rejoiced. And then when Marilyn Manson left, uh, the city made new laws to forbid that kind of concert. Okay. And so that's, that's real warfare. That's real warfare that took place. Um. You know, we get faced with a lot of occultism here in Korea as well. Uh, if you go to Itaewon campus, next time you go to Itaewon campus, look for what looks like a swastika that's uh, square, not, not just a uh, diagonal. That's not a diamond, but a square. Look for a swastika-looking thing. There's no Nazi camps, all right? There's not, no Nazi groups that are hiding out in Itaewon. All of those, that's a symbol for, uh, what's the symbol for? Buddhism, right? But what it's really a symbol for is... It's a symbol for fortune tellers there. Okay? All over that hill, you will see it everywhere. Including the building that we worship in. On the first floor, you'll see those signs. And those are signs for fortune tellers. And you will find it all over the city. Why? Because when it comes down to it, people want to know about their future. They have a longing to tap into the spirit realm and find out secret information about their future. Before they marry somebody, they have so much uncertainty, they want to get that certainty. So they go to a fortune teller. What they don't know is when they do that, they're opening their their lives up. They're opening up a gateway for demonic spirits to enter in and oppress them and torment them. And so the second level is the occult level. The third level is called the strategic level. This is the way Peter Wagner describes it. The strategic level. This is aimed at dealing with high-ranking principalities and powers. Assigned to geographic territories and social networks. These demonic forces are referred to sometimes as territorial spirits. And some people in the religious movements, they hate that word. They hate the term territorial spirit. Just letting you know. Letting you know. Don't, don't throw it around. Because people will be like, what? What did you say? They, they will hate you all of a sudden. because They're filled with some kind of spirit. And it ain't the holy spirit territorial spirit man if if you're wrong so what what's the big deal don't get so angry at me you know but man i'm telling you right now religious folks they hate that word territorial spirits they hate this teaching my guess is that it's probably because we're right on and um so an example of a territorial spirit is acts chapter 16 this is what rebecca greenwood presents go to acts chapter 16 i'll go over this real quick Acts chapter 16, this is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. A lot of us know it there, but before they were actually thrown in prison, something else happened. Look at verse 16 of chapter 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. In the Greek it says a python spirit, and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling, Oh, uh, ha ha! what they're doing on the Etenwan Hill, they've been doing all these thousands of years. Because these demons have been around all these thousands of years. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God and proclaim to you the way of salvation. Doesn't that make you want to say amen? <laughs> She's saying the right thing, but with the wrong spirit. It takes a man of discernment to identify when a person is saying the right thing, but still saying it the wrong spirit. Hallelujah. And verse 19, this she she kept on doing for many days. Now, that's pretty annoying. All right, all right, girl. That's cute. All right, thank you. Next day, oh, man, she's back. All right, girl, hey, hey, you're going to lose your voice. Calm down. Next day, she's back. Oh, man, this girl, I just want to kick her. (laughs) I mean, it, it was for many days. Paul is getting pretty upset, right? Look at this. Paul, having become greatly annoyed... He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Meaning it probably wasn't maybe even that instant. There was some praying and shouting and praying and praising. I don't know what they did. But within that hour, she got freed. All right. Uh, I'm going to stop there. Uh, in Paul's day, the the city, uh, the region of Philippi believed that Apollo or Python was the influencer of events. So that term python was used to refer to those through whom the python spirit spoke. And did, like fortune telling, foretelling the future. And in verse 18, Paul casts this python spirit out of the slave girl. Then check out in verse 20, what happens is Paul gets accused of throwing the city into an uproar. Look at verse 20. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. All Paul did was cast out a python spirit out of a young girl. How does this warrant an accusation that he's throwing the whole city into an uproar? I mean, our church, we've done healing deliverance for a lot of individuals. But we never got a phone call from souls saying, you are throwing the city into an uproar. You know, doesn't make any sense. You know, I just helped one little slave girl. What's the big deal? Right. Uh, then in verse 22, look at verse 22. The crowd joined in in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave them orders to be beaten with rods. Not only do they get the accusation, but the entire crowd starts to join in on the attack. Why would doing healing and deliverance to a little girl cause a crowd who knew nothing about her deliverance... To turn against Paul and Silas and get them beaten and thrown into prison. Just think about that. Right? That's because, Rebecca Greenwood proposes, is probably because that python spirit was actually a territorial spirit. It was a strategic level demon that was actually keeping the whole city under bondage. And so when that python spirit was was loosed from, from its territory... Was, was cast out of that young girl. That spirit started to work to, to put all the people into an uproar. Alright? Uh, the good news is they get, they get flogged. Well, that's not the good news. They get flogged, thrown into prison. <clears throat> Paul and Silas begin to pray and praise God and worship. And then verse 26, look at verse 26. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and Paul and Silas' bonds? No, it says everyone's bonds were unfastened. Isn't that interesting? All the prison doors fly loose. Everyone's chains come come loose. As a result of casting out this demon spirit in this slave girl, a violent earthquake occurs in the region. You know, it's not unusual for when there's effective spiritual warfare advances by the kingdom of heaven. When we make advances into darkness, it's not unusual for signs of what transpired in the spirit realm to take place in the natural realm. It's really interesting. Uh, We were in India in February. And we did one week of ministry in India. And we saw an unusual amount of demonic manifestations, especially among the children. These poor children, man. No, they were just breathing and and shaking and kicking and, you know, and all our team had to try to help them out. Some of them, you know, definitely got delivered fully. Others we're not so sure about. But there was a lot of, as the Holy Spirit's power started to show up, a lot of demonic spirits got exposed. And we just did a whole week of just work and came against the religious spirit operating in the church leaders and just praying and doing VBS and making the, annoying the devil. You know, the devil can annoy us through a slave girl. We can annoy the devil through a VBS song. Amen. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, we just did some damage. And the funny thing is the same day we flew out to go to, uh, New Delhi and come back to Korea, the same day we flew out, same day there was an earthquake in that region called Manipur. Now y'all aren't impressed. All right. You can check the news. All right. Manipur doesn't have earthquakes, you know, every month or something. But it happened the same day we flew out. And that was a natural manifestation. It was a, there was a spiritual warfare that, that had, we had advanced in the spirit realm. And there was a natural manifestation through the earthquake. Uh, even in Japan, I don't think many of the Japan team members know. But the other day, there was a huge earthquake. I think it was about 6.4. That's a pretty significant earthquake. It took place in Japan. Is it coincidence Just a few days after we leave, there's another earthquake in Japan. For Japan, it may be because there's so many earthquakes in Japan. But Manipur, India, absolutely not. Y'all need to believe. That is a sign. I don't know about Japan because there's a lot in Japan. But Manipur, India, that was a sign. Y'all just need to believe. Break that unbelief off of you. And just as in the natural, everyone's chains and prison doors were loosed, what had happened when they tackled that territorial spirit and, 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 and dispositioned, this, this, uh, disarmed that territorial spirit, there was a uh, freedom that took place in the spirit realm as well. And we see this manifested. Why? Because what happens? The jailer comes out. He's like, oh my goodness, everyone escaped. I'm going to kill myself. And Paul stops him. Doesn't share the gospel, by the way. And the jailer says, What do I have to do to be saved? Now, how did he how did he know that they were Christians? Well, one thing, they were praying and praising God all night long. You know, jailer's like, Man, these crazy people. Who why are they so crazy? They why are they singing? They are bleeding, nobody's tending to their wounds, and they're singing with joy. What the heck is wrong with them? Oh, I think they're called Christians. They're loonies, cuckoos. They follow some guy that said that he raised from the dead. Tell me more. Right? I'm telling you, the jailer, that had, he had some kind of conversation previously in the night. Because by the time Paul stops him from killing himself, he says, what do I do to, God, to, to be saved? Right? And then what, what happens? He brings his whole family in. And that same night, after he tends to their wounds, he goes and gets baptized in water. And puts his faith in Jesus Christ. That prison, prison doors, chains being loose. It was a natural manifestation of what was already taking place in the spirit realm. So, you know, so, you know the Rev. Greenwood kind of shares this story to, to kind of propose that this python spirit that was operating in this girl was actually a higher-level demon that was keeping that entire area under bondage. Now, what do we know about Philippi? What do we know about Philippi? Later on, they have a good church. And then we have the Book of Philippians. Philippines was not writ- written to the Philippines, all right? As a an <laughs> area called Philippi. Some of y'all were like, it isn't? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, you know, obviously them getting saved, there was a, definitely an unveiling. There was a, a breakthrough in the spirit realm that allowed him, his family and later on all the people in the Philippi region to come to salvation and build a strong church. All right, so those are the three levels of spiritual warfare. And my time is already up, and so I cannot continue. But I'll stop there, all right? The ground level, the occult level, and the strategic level. All right? And in order for you to really pray with authority and engage uh, these levels of warfare, there's three things to keep in mind. I'm going to close with this. One is you got to learn how to walk in holiness, If you try to do spiritual warfare without, without obeying the word of God, without walking in purity and holiness, oh man, you are one knucklehead. You're about to get ambushed. Satan will set you up. He will trip you up, punch you in the mouth. Alright, you gotta walk in holiness. You cannot do, you cannot pray with authority without walking in holiness. Authority comes from knowing who you are. If you really know who you are, you're going to behave according to the identity that you are. A holy, purified child of God clothed in His righteousness. If you really know who you are, then you start to live that out. And you start walking in that. Even when you make mistakes, you come right back to that identity. And you confess your sins and and then you come before God and you relate rightly to Him. If you really know who you are, then you will walk in holiness. And And if you're if you really know who you are and you walk in the holiness, there's that authority that rises up when you pray. You know, the reason sometimes some people go on missions with us, and then I'll, I'll look at them and I'll be like, what are you doing? Hey, young man, come here. What are you doing? And they're like, I'm praying for people. And like, pray with a little authority. Pray like you mean it. You know, and they'll be like, oh, well, I thought I was. No, 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 man. That's, you're, you're like... You're like you're like this, and you're like, like all afraid. You got to pray with some boldness. Pray like you want to set people free. Pray like you could actually do it. Pray like the you, have, you might be a brand new believer. You might not have been walking with the Lord very long. But look, check this out. There's a covering here. There's an anointing that's flowing. And the same Holy Spirit that's operating through me and Janae is operating through you. You don't get a junior Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't get a mini me. You, you get the whole you get the whole thing so pray like there's power coming out of you and I could say something like that but they still will kind of pray really timid now the reason is because there's shame there because they are not walking in holiness they were dabbling with all kinds of things they were sleeping with their girlfriend before they came on the trip I don't know you know if you did we we usually don't take you (laughs) And if you lie about it, usually our prophetic people will come and tell me. <laughs> so don't even try it! But, but sometimes there's so much shame, they're like, I can't pray with authority because I'm not walking in holiness. But here's the thing if you're walking in holiness, you know, it's, like a sec- it's like a natural thing for you to pray with authority. So, one, you gotta pray with, you gotta, you gotta walk in holiness. the second is you gotta get proper covering, right? Meaning that, man, I gotta read this, man. Y'all need this right here. You need to get proper covering. Submission to those in spiritual authority over us is a requirement before moving into strategic level spiritual warfare. I'll read that again. Submission to those in spiritual authority over us is a requirement before moving into strategic level spiritual warfare. That's the third level, the highest level. You cannot just go out and be Rambo. (laughs) Let me tell you something right now. There are no... There are no uh, Sy- Sylvester Stallones or Steven Seagals in the kingdom of God. You go out, you go out alone, this is what would happen. It would, what re- reality would happen. That's what would happen. If Rambo was real and Rambo went out there and tried to kill people, all right, he'll kill like maybe one person and then wound another and then he'll get shot dead. If you go out alone, there's no Rambo Christians in the kingdom. It's an army, it's a family, there's relationships. There's authority, there's honor, there's submission. And if, if that's lacking in your life, man, you need to be, be very careful. Uh, Rebecca Greenwood said this. She says, self-proclaimed prophets and intercessors who are not walking under the direction... Oh, okay. She says, self-proclaimed prophets and intercessors are not walking under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I have been on teams that include prophets or intercessors who have no spiritual covering. The usual line that you hear from them with, un- with unhealthy authority issues is, quote, I am accountable to God and not to any man. This is a dangerous and unscriptural stand. Usually these individuals have deep wounds from the past. They need to forgive those who have wounded them and receive deliverance and healing from the Lord. These individuals do not make good team members because they usually go against the authority of the team leader throughout the prayer assignment. This can make for an unpleasant experience for the whole team. Not to mention that this opens the door for the enemy to unleash a counter-attack. You can't pray with authority without having proper recovery. If you, if you need healing and deliverance, you're demonically tormented. Can I give you a little piece of advice? Don't go to somebody that doesn't go out to a local church that doesn't have a relationship with people in the body of Christ. They just have a little office with a two or three uh, henchmen or whoever, their their followers, their disciples there, and they, they want to help you out, don't go to those places. I'm telling you right now, that's a dangerous place to be. You need to connect with people that are relating to the body of Christ. Uh, so first is walk in holiness. Second is get spiritual covering. Third is count the cost. And I won't get into that because this will go for another... 30 minutes if I do. Count the cost, meaning that there are costs involved. The higher up you go, the strategic level warfare. So let me tell you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll tell you a story right now. <sighs> tell a story. Okay. So in Japan, in Japan, this is what happened, right? We're, on the second day, we went to the temple, and I had the team pray, right? But I noticed that as I approached the temple, the team was all the way behind me. They were all like, they were all like is Pastor Christian going to come back this way? And they were they were afraid to go to the temple. And I was like, "What's going on?" Later on, they were sharing about on Saturday last week. They went to another temple, but it was unplanned. They were hoped to join the March for Jesus thing or something like that. And they went to the wrong park, and they ended up at a temple. And so they were like, "Oh, well, look at all these big temples and gates. Let me let us pray." And as they were praying, team members got nauseous. Pe- team members start getting dizzy. Team members are just like, like punching each other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But team members started getting like, what? What else? Dizzy and nauseous? Is that it? Oh, yeah, what's the big deal? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they they really felt it though. They really felt it on their bodies, so they were really really like scared, and they weren't looking forward to another prayer time like that, you know. And um, oh, man, these next things are really good. But uh, um, and so. Yeah, so so yeah, they they went in and they tried to tackle these Shintoist demonic spirits. Now, the Shintoist Shintoism is a nationwide problem. You got to remember, it's not a Tokyo problem. It's a nationwide problem. And the really cool thing is Fukushima in that area and up in Sendai, those areas were known to be very traditional with Shintoism. They had shrines everywhere, and no matter how much the uh, missionaries went up there, they couldn't br- they couldn't bring anybody to Christ. But our team, when we went up there, not, they, they, not only were local churches destroyed by the tsunami, but all the shrines were also leveled by the tsunami. 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 And so, hey, let's not get distracted. Let's go. Uh, and they went up, and they, when they shared the gospel with people, people were very open. And so a lot of the local pastors were sharing that this is very unusual, and that God is definitely doing something new. Um, it's a nationwide problem, Shintoism. So you can't just expect, oh, we missed March for Jesus, so let's tackle the nationwide problem of Japan. <laughs> and, you know, you saw in the picture, right? They're, like, putting their hands on the gate, and they're, like, praying, and, you know, and they're, all the stuff. Um, there's a cost, and the team found out there is a cost because they started getting attacked on their physical body, right? And the cool thing is when I went back with them a few days later to the other shrine, They said that they were afraid that it would be just as bad. And they did feel a little bit, but it wasn't as bad as the previous uh, day when they went. And they thought that it had to do with Pastor Aaron and I being there. And it did. And it did, because there was a real covering, and they went under my direction. Now, I must confess that it was also, for me, a little bit of a spontaneous move that we did. I didn't, like, plan on, I got to go to a temple and pray while I'm in Japan. I just kind of like, oh, there's a temple. (laughs) Shintoism is a problem here. Let's go! (laughs) Okay. And so I must confess, I didn't count the cost. I didn't count the cost. And when I saw Erin and she was like on her physical body getting attacked as well, I was like, all right, all right, next time we need to like strategically go after this thing. And, you know, and our one time visit to the shrine is not going to destroy Shintoism off of Japan. Well, here's the thing. As we continue to apply our faith, these ancient gates of idolatry that have been set up in Japan for thousands and thousands of years, these gates can be destroyed and lifted off so that the king of glory can come in, Psalm 24. And I believe that, I believe God's pressing our hearts and saying this is the time. This is the time to press into Japan. You know? And I believe that the answer is not more and more evangelism. The answer is our fight is not against flesh and blood. The answer is we got to pray with authority and then do ministry with authority. So I believe in the whole missions and prayer movements being married together. And I don't think they should really be separated. The monastics think that they could be separated. But, you know, that's because they're monastics. You know, that's just their nature. They like to be, you know, isolated from everybody. But, you know, that's not me. I'm, you know, I'm not a monastic. I'm apostolic in every way. I'm all about going and doing and, and sending. So I believe that as our church prays and marries that prayer movement along with the missions movement, when we evangelize in these next 10 years, we're going to see millions and millions of Japanese coming to Christ. And I just have a burning desire in my heart to somehow be involved in setting up mega churches all over Tokyo. Because can I tell you something? There are so many people in Tokyo. Tokyo. And they're, they're, they're beautiful people. They're just wonderful people. You know, I thought they were all, like, you know, from the videos of when I was a child, you know, Japanese, like, all, they always found, the, like, the ugliest actors and actresses who play the Japanese people in these movies and documentaries, you know. And I always thought, you know, Japanese people were evil and all they were interested is in, like, taking over Korea and building cars. I don't know, like. <laughs> and I went and I met the Japanese people and, man, I just had so much compassion for them. I just like, man, they're just people. (laughs) And so I believe that uh, from this summer forward, we're going to shift into a new level of prayer for our church. We've been praying a lot. We pray with a lot of passion and zeal. But zeal without knowledge can be a little dangerous. So, you know, I believe that even the prayer tabernacle, we're going we're to move away from what we see in America. And we're going to move toward what God is showing us. And I believe that what Peter and Doris Wagner and the Wagner leadership guys are teaching, I think they got some key teachings that need to be released to the body of Christ. And so I believe that the prayer tabernacle is going to also move forward and begin to pray with greater authority. And so let me give you three books that you should read to prepare your heart for this new season. All right, two of them you guys already know about. One is called Prayer That Routes Demons by John Eckhart. Prayers That Rout Demons by John Eckhart. Second is Rules of Engagement by Dr. Cindy Trim. Rules of Engagement by Dr. Cindy Trim. Prayers That Rout Demons, Rules of Engagement. And then the third book is this book, Rebecca Greenwood Authority to Tread. All right, And this is a textbook for strategic level warfare. It only covers that third aspect, the highest aspect of warfare prayer. And, you know, she actually teaches very specific things like, don't just go out and start, you know, tackling the Shintoist shrines. Don't go out and go to, you know, Israel and start, you know, tackling all these, like, you know, Muslim mosques and stuff like that. She said, that's stupid. That's foolish. Because nothing shall harm you. That promise is true. But nothing shall harm you. That promise is True on the condition that you're actually taking the provisions of God's grace seriously, that you're putting on the armor of God, that you're under covering, that you're, not, you're going under God's t- timing, you know? If you just kind of pre- presumptuously go out and do this strategic level warfare, she's saying you're going to get jacked up. She knew a lady that self-proclaimed said, God is calling me to the Middle East or something like that, and, she, and he's, he's calling me on a strategic level warfare assignment, and I'm going to go. And then she submitted it to some of her prayer partners and leaders, and they said, no, we think you should stay. And she said, you know what? God's Spirit's talking to me clearly. I'm going to go anyway. She went, and then things, things got closed down for her. Flights got canceled. She got stuck in another country and then moved around, and she didn't do any prayer. All she did was get lost in the airline industry somewhere and go over, bounce city, city, and then came home disappointed. All right, we need to go out under the timing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so those are the three books I would recommend. Rules of Engagement, Prayers Around Demons, Authority to Tread. And I just want to declare right now that our church is going to shift into a season in which we're going to begin to pray with greater authority. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> we just thank you today, Lord, that this Sunday... July twenty fourth that this is not just a chronos moment, this is not just a time or date, this is a kairos moment. There's something strategic that is shifting for our church today. And so Father, I pray that you would you would begin to move upon the hearts of the people and that there will be a corporate shift into praying with greater authority in this church. There will be a corporate hunger to take up all the resources like a sponge and begin to apply it into our prayer lives. And with this shift in praying with authority, we thank you that there is also going to be a shift in missions. That when we go on mission trips, we're going to see different kinds of fruits, different kinds of alliances, different kinds of results. So I just decree and declare that, that this church is shifting into a new season. That this is a Kairos moment right here, a strategic moment in our church's history where we are increasing in our prayer lives, Lord, we pray right now, Luke 10:19 over each and every person. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions on, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. We thank you, God, that you're using our prayers and our missions' work to advance your kingdom. And we pray for North Korea, we pray for Japan we desire to go into these nations and see healing and see salvation break out in massive scale, Lord. The harvest is plentiful. We just decree that the harvest is plentiful over North Korea. We just say that the harvest is plentiful over Japan. Yeah. God, we don't just ask that, God, you bless what we are doing. We just ask that, God, you give us the privilege of doing what you're already blessing. And we just thank you that you're doing something in Japan right now. You're doing something in North Korea. You're doing something in South Korea, God. And we just love being in the middle of it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.